You are listening to South Niagara Conversations, a podcast presented by the South Niagara Chambers of Commerce, along with 105.1 The River and 101.1 More FM. Here are your hosts, Dolores Fabiano and Scott Lunn. All right. Well, good morning. Thanks to everyone who's joined us for our South Niagara Conversation Series. For those of you who are tuning in from afar, we represent the communities of Fort Erie, Niagara Falls, Port Coburn, Waynefleet, Welland, and Pelham. We're located in Southern Ontario. No better place to be in my mind. Back in the co-host seat this week is Scott Lunn. Welcome back, back Scott. I've missed you. How have you been? It uh, feels like it's been forever. I'm doing well, Dolores. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. Did you miss me? I did. I did. Yeah. We had a holiday and I couldn't make one episode and then two weeks went by. It's just, it's just, it was wrong. It is wrong. It was wrong. Feels like a long time. You're right. I, uh, I also want to give a shout out to our tech sponsor, Brian LaChapelle from B4 Networks, who always makes us sound so good. Brian, how are you this morning? Fantastic. Thank you, Dolores. I've missed you too, even though it's only been a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So this morning, we're going to be talking to, uh, well, at this point, uh, two unique business operators here in South Niagara. Uh, They're going to share the good, the bad, and the ugly about their business during the past year, as well as their plans for the future. These are a couple of familiar faces that I haven't really been able to uh, chat with uh, over the past year. So I'm really eager to get the conversation started. Scott, who do we have joining us with um, us this morning? Well, Dolores, we've got uh, Kevin Reels from Series Global and uh, Antonetta Hewlett from the Fort Erie Racetrack, which uh, two very uh, different types of businesses, which uh, we'll talk about challenges and what you faced uh, uh, in the last year and moving forward. But uh, maybe just so everybody knows, uh, give us a little brief description of, of what the business has to offer. We might think we know, but I'm sure there's a lot more parts to it than we realize. Uh, so we'll, we'll hear from both of you. We'll start with you, uh, Antonetta, and, and let us know about the racetrack and everything that happens within that. Hello, good morning. Uh, thanks for having us on. So uh, as many people know, Fort Erie Racetrack is uh, a thoroughbred racetrack here in Niagara. We're one of uh, two thoroughbred tracks in Niagara, but the only horse racing venue, or sorry, two thoroughbred tracks in the province, but the only horse racing venue in Niagara. We are celebrating our 124th season this year, which kicks off uh, hopefully, if all goes well, June 1st. So we're really excited about that. Um, yeah, it's a great place. And when fans are allowed to come, people people love it. Kids love it. It's family friendly. It's a, a really unique environment, that's for sure. Oh, just the, before we move over to Kevin, are the wiener dogs going to happen as well? Or was that, did I get fooled by the website? <laughs> oh, gosh. I wish the wiener dogs come back this season, but who knows? If it doesn't make sense to have the dogs without the people, right? So uh, uh, we'll have to see what happens, play it by year. But they will be back eventually, I can guarantee that. Wait a minute. It's not hot dogs that we eat. You need to explain what the wiener dogs is. <laughs> so a couple years ago, um, someone suggested that we host wiener dog races. Uh, they're popular at, you know, a bunch of different tracks, especially in the States. So we thought, you know what? Let's, you know, reach out to people, see if there's anyone with uh, a wiener dog, a dash hound, who might be interested in taking part in this uh, event. And I, my inbox blew up. I had probably about 150 people email me. Uh, they are pet owners, have a wiener dog, wanted to take part in this event. It was absolutely uh, insane, the number of people that uh, were interested in taking part. So we thought, okay, we'll try it out. We'll host an event. And we had uh, the first year, 72 dogs take part. And uh, 
probably eight, 9,000 people come out to watch the, uh, the races. It was a ton of fun. They're super cute. Like, you know, they're long bodies and, you know, kind of they flop all over the place. So it was a ton of fun. Um, the next year we decided to do wiener dog races. And then on a separate day, we also had basset hound races and same thing. Thousands of people came out to enjoy the events and, uh, it was a huge, huge turnout, a lot of fun. Um, definitely going to host them again because why not, right? It's a great community event. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, good luck talking that, Kevin, but maybe you can uh, give us <laughs> a, a bit of a rundown on uh, on Series Global. Yeah, it's way less fun and way less cute. Um, <laughs> so Series Global operates out of uh, the um, operates out of the old Robin Hood building in Port Colburn, just north of Lockheed. We are a uh, grain grain procurer. Uh, we um, essentially, we connect uh, the producers of the Niagara region and, and, and a little bit further. We do have some farms from, from outside of that area that uh, bring us grain. Uh, we typically uh, store soybeans, corn, wheat, oats, rye, and a couple of other feed products. And um, so th those things are stored here and we essentially market them to the, to the I get, you know, you'd like to say the world, but I mean, we market them to just about anyone that's, that's in the market to purchase those products. So, um, uh, the, the best case scenario would be to collect the crops, store them, and then load them via vessel onto, uh, onto, you know, the canal ships that are out on the, out on the lakes. Um, we see a lot of our products heading towards Montreal way where they're essentially, uh, offloaded and then put into larger vessels that go all over the world, really, you know, Canadian, uh, Canada grain has a, has a really good reputation in the world market. And, uh, you know, we do that through our, through the grain commission and there's, um, there's a grain act in Canada. We enact it. The quality is very high and, uh, we're serious about ensuring that reputation stays, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, we're a part of that, but the grain commission ensures that Canadian grain is, is marketable and, and there's a solid foundation there for everybody. So, you know what you're getting when you purchase Canadian green. And we fortunately are, are a part of that. And so that's us in a nutshell. I guess the other side of our business would be we're in this enormous building that used to mill flour, used to have a warehouse. And we, um, we're, we, we've been, we've had a pretty strong, uh, we're looking for, you know, tenants, that sort of thing. We're looking for, you know, people to partner with us and, and, and move forward. So, that's that's probably what I'm going to touch on as, as our conversation goes, like as far as, um, you know, what, how did, you know, how did COVID affect it and how did, you know, that sort of thing. So that, that's us in a nutshell. We're, 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 we're the grain merchants uh, in Port Colbert, So. So your location, I mean, besides the building, your, your location is very cool, like where you're actually situated can you talk a little bit about that because i think that even even in niagara people don't understand um the the canal system and 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 the shipping and 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 how we utilize that so can you talk a little bit about that so we're we're located just north of block eight so we're inside the canal um and so and our building is very iconic in the area for sure. It's got the, the very large Robin Hood flower logo on the side of it on both sides, east and west sides. And so it's a hundred and it's just closing in on 200 feet tall. So, um, you know, we can see everything here. <laughs> we were very high in the sky. We've got uh, 129 bins, which store our green. And so we're, um, 
you know, we've got a lot of different products that we're able to separate and that sort of thing. So as far as the building, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're right on the, uh, on the trail that goes right through the, uh, the, from North to South from Lake Erie to Lake Ontario. And so there's a lot of really picturesque. If you look us up on the internet, you'll see so many pictures of our building from every angle that, uh, that people are taking. It's, it's, it's pretty, I, you know, I guess iconic's really the only word you can use. It's, it's, um, I don't think I would be a very popular person if I tried to paint over that uh, Robin Hood sign. That's for sure. So um, there's no plans for that either. There's no plans. It's very expensive. And uh, <laughs> you're brave to hang out there on a swing stage and do that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, no plans for that. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's being on the canal is, 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 is important to our business. It's, 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 uh, it's certainly uh, what anchors us to this area and, and, you know, we hope that we're adding value for the producers, right? So, so that they can market their grain to the world from here instead of having to go to Hamilton all the time. So, uh, you know, Hamilton being the next biggest port close to here. So, yeah, I was uh, lucky enough to uh, get a tour of, of your facility, and uh, I, I'm not gonna lie, I, I felt like I needed to leave a, a trail of of breadcrumbs because. <laughs> If you had not been giving us a personal tour, I would have gotten lost in that building. But it it um, it was such a, a cool uh, experience because there's there's a lot of old equipment in there. Um, there's a lot of history. You you could almost feel the presence, you know, of, of the history in in the walls. And then when you get to the top, you have this view. Um, that, that you really can't appreciate un un unless you see it from the top. And, um, you know, Kevin, when we're all able to get together, I'm thinking we're going to throw a party at your place and invite Talk everybody about, in South Niagara. About, I think the thing I was most nervous about is getting enough helmets. <laughs> <laughs> right. I need to buy to get, it, get everybody through, you know, 200 helmets. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> we have the space to host. We would we'd love that. That'd be great. And you know yeah. what? People love it. You can see, especially if you're from the area, you can see all the way down the Lake Erie. You can see the uh, the break wall, and and then to the north. I mean, you can see Brock Tower. You can see you can see Toronto if on a clear day. So it's. Uh, yeah, but can it's, you watch the races from up there? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I I haven't tried to see the racetrack. I wonder if I can see it. I, I <laughs> but I, I can't. Uh, I don't know if I can see the racetrack. <laughs> well, well, we we did host a, a great event at the racetrack a few years ago. It was a, a South Niagara Business After Five, and um, you know the the beauty of hosting events like that is that you get people from outside of of, of the community to come and experience something a little different. And uh, I remember having um, hearing so many comments that day about the racetrack and the experience and holy smokes, didn't realize this was like, you know, 20 minute drive from where I am. And um, it's such a, a, a great venue as well. And uh, we're gonna have another party at your place. I, I mean, we're gonna have parties all over the place when this pandemic there is over. There will be a lot of parties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but you guys, uh, besides the uh, wiener races, you guys also host uh, the, the Prince of Wales um, race every year. That's yes. a big one for you guys. It's our biggest event. It's the um, the second jewel in the Canadian Triple Crown. So it's our version of the Kentucky Derby. Uh, we are right behind the Queen's Plate, which is hosted at Woodbine Racetrack uh, as well. And then before the Breeders uh, Stakes, which is the, the third jewel at, at Woodbine as well. So this year will be the 86th running. It's uh, our signature event. 
it's basically for three-year-old uh, Canadian bred horses and they compete for this, you know, Canadian triple crown. Um, so it's an exciting day when we have fans, we get, you know, eight, 10,000 people out and they really, it's a, it's a, it's a fun event. It's a party afterwards. It's something to come out and witness because it really is a piece of racing history. Yeah. And, and besides the, the, the racetrack itself, you've, you've got the great restaurant. Um, it, I was also surprised to see, although I don't know why I was surprised, but all of the horses are there. And, and um, explain that a little bit. It, it was really interesting to see that, that there's all the stalls and, and um, I don't know if it's their trainers who are there too, but, but it's, it's almost like a little community. It really is. Our backstretch is a community. Uh, we have probably in a typical season, 300, 350 horses that are stabled in our backstretch. Uh, so trainers come in every morning and all of their staff, the grooms, hot walkers, that sort of stuff, they come in, they train the horses. So they're out on the track every morning, exercising, um, you know, stretching their legs because exercise is essential for the care of horses. You can't just leave them up in a stall. They need to get out and, and stretch their legs. So they, they train every morning um, and then they're, you know, taken care of and fed in uh, the mornings. And then again, in the evenings, the trainers come back to, to feed the horses again. So they're stable at our location. We do have some horses that ship in either from barns or from woodbines for race days, but the majority of the horses that run here are stables here at Fort Erie. Yeah, that's, that's, it's such a cool industry. Um, I know that you've seen a lot of changes within your organization over, mm -hmm. over the years. Um, one of one of the biggest was the installation and and then the removal of of the slots. Um, what, what's the secret um, to being able to adapt to an ever changing landscape? Like you guys seem to be so so flexible. Mm -hmm. So a lot of other tracks in the province still have a, a slot facility, and they're able to 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 get revenue from that. With Fort Erie Racetrack, well, the other big thing is they're able to get people out because people will go to the slots and then kind of head on over to the track and watch the races or, you know, a wife will go to the slots and the husband will go watch the horses or that sort of thing. Uh, with us, we really had to get creative because we didn't have that venue anymore to attract people out um, all year long. We really just had to come up with ways to attract people out to the races to see the horses the 40 uh, days a year that we operate. So that's why things like those wiener dog races and other fun events like our tiki bar concerts, um, you know, farmers market, that sort of stuff. We had to get creative and come up with ways to attract people out to the, to the, to the track to come for the races, but also come and enjoy something else or, or, or come out for one of those special events and realize like the, the BA five that we did that, you know, there is more to this venue. Like horse racing is a unique uh, sport. It's a unique pastime. It's something free that we can do in our community. Families are welcome. Kids are allowed to attend. It's not like a slots or a casino where you can't bring them. They have to be 18 to wager, but they can come and kids love it. They absolutely love seeing the horses. They love, you know, picking a, a number in the program and cheering that horse on. So it really is a unique venue. And our infield, we are known as having one of the most picturesque infields in North America. So we have the ponds and the trees and um, wildlife that live out there. We have foxes and geese. And uh, so it really is a very peaceful setting out there. And people don't realize how sort of tranquil and, and enjoyable a day at the races can be. You have that excitement of the races, but then also in between, it's it's a relaxing and fun environment. 
Yeah, and 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 the tiki bar is really great. It's a really yeah. good tiki bar. <laughs> it's fun. It's unique, right? There's I think they've grown a little bit more in popularity, but when that one was set up, I think probably about 10 or 12 years ago, it was uh, one of the few in the area and it's it's neat. It's right outside, it's right on the track. We have a stage so we host concerts, we have musicians out there, and it's just uh it's a fun environment to watch the races and then also to like enjoy our sunsets our twilight racing is really really popular right so you get to you get to come up for the races and then kind of see the sunset um over the track it's it's just it's enjoyable it's peaceful it's it's unique so when the border is open do you do you get a lot of americans coming typically in a racing uh on a race day we probably get about 20 percent of our customers uh from the u.s uh, i know a lot of them are itching to come back because every time i post something on social media they're all opening you know messaging about when's the border going to open well obviously beyond our control, but a lot of customers do come from the States um, to, to come and physically watch the races for sure. And it's uh, it, like certain people, I think it's just been a tradition, right? They've, they've uh, grown up in the States and that's what they did on a Sunday. They came over, they watched the races with their, their dad, or now they're bringing their kids, that sort of stuff. So people, people who come to the races all the time, absolutely love the sport. They love the industry. They love Fort Erie racetrack. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, Kevin, I'm going to come back to you. So last year, uh, it was announced that the Hamilton-Oshawa Port Authority had signed an agreement with the mayors of Thorold, Welland, and Port Colborne, um, our canal cities. Um, what's the impact of that on, on your operation or operations like yours along the canal here in, in Niagara? Well, and I think it's, a, it's, a, it's something that we all say, and, and, and uh, uh, Ian Hamilton says it, all the time, high tide raises all ships. Uh, it's it's great news. Um, if they're going to be bringing in people, companies that are interested in this area, that may, maybe they, you know, that they, they're the they're not uh, they're not the type of uh, firm that would um, that take all the opportunities and just try to develop something for every single person. Like sometimes they look to their to their to the people that are on the outskirts, like us or other companies. You know, there's Snyder Dock Services and there's QSL here and there's there's a lot of different companies. Logistech is, is another. They're right across from us. They, um, you know, the the the, uh, the anticipation. It's like it's like boiling the pot. Everything starts to 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 change, and uh, you know the landscape's going to change. You can see that they're really marketing that Thorold property, and uh, in in their uh, in their communications, uh, they're talking for Colburn next. And I couldn't be more excited. I know that they are looking. I don't know exactly, but I know that they're looking at investment and they're looking at properties they're looking at you know who the stakeholders are in the area and uh, you know they're a great firm everyone there that i've dealt with um and i've seen ian speak we haven't met personally but uh they're 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 great they're a great team to work with for sure and i, I can't see how what they're doing in thorold doesn't translate to more activity for everybody down here and better services you know security services for marine and and tie-up services and, and, you know, all the different food, not vendors, but the food services that are needed for these boats, laundry, you know, you name it. There's there's all kinds of things that are going to be better in this area. Um, you know, Port Colburn lost their fuel dock. Maybe there's, maybe something happens, right? Maybe there's another fuel dock in the future. I'm, I'm not sure, but, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I, I think um, unless you're in the industry, um, people don't understand how big, um, that shipping industry is, how much business is, is done on that canal. And, and also, um, you know, if we talk about Port Colborne, 
how cool it is to to go to West Side Street and just just look up and see, you know, this huge boat right in the center of your town. It, it, it is a really um, cool experience. And I know that uh, it, it's a little different, but um, the mayor of Port Coburn um, has been talking about the cruise ships that have been coming um, through through the canal and, and stopping in Port Coburn. But uh, just before the pandemic, you know, there was a real push to to have more cruise ships and to build some of the infrastructure um, for, for passengers when they disembark. Um, all that's been put on hold for just a little bit, but um, it is a really big part of, uh, of who we are here in South Niagara. And um, it, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. You know, we, we have things like, like the racetrack and then we have, you know, the beaches and, 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 and the canal and, and you can go boating and, and, and then, you know, it's just, it's just huge. And I don't think people realize that um, unless they're, they're here and seeing it. I, I think with those, with those cruise ships stopping at Port Coburn, I mean, inevitably the, the, the racetrack, I mean, there's gotta be, there's going to be some sort of day trips set up and things like that. Like let's get to the, let's get, you know, wherever I know Niagara Falls will be a hot spot and Port Coburn for sure. Downtown BIA is really excited and they're developing all kinds of different programs. I mean, it's still a little bit slow because we need, you know, you need a boat before, <laughs> before you can really get going. Um, but, uh, you know, there's fishing charters and maybe there's bike rentals and all kinds of things that are going to pop up because of it. Right. So. Yeah. And even with um, in, in Port Coburn, they, they host uh, Canal Days, uh, which is a big, a big festival around around the canal. And uh, they bring in the tall ships and you have to buy tickets to get onto the tall ships. And it, it is a sold out event every year. Um, so yeah, a, a big part of, of the history of that community. So I know this, this past year has been, um, strange for everyone. Um, has there been anything that, um, either of you have had to do differently, um, have had to change, uh, within your business to, to adapt to, to the pandemic? Antoinette, we'll start with you. So yeah, uh, the racing industry, um, we really are fortunate, to be honest, that we were able to uh, race last season. Uh, our model, even in a not in a COVID year, it really tries to cater to the simulcast market for wagering um, because there's so many people, especially in the States, who will wager on horse racing um, throughout North America. Um, so we really, we really had a, a good foundation for simulcast wagering, which was uh, important because that allowed us to continue to be um, successful last year, even though we weren't able to open up to fans. The unfortunate thing is, um, like, we we had a good season and we can't complain. We, we were able to race 39 out of our 40 days. We kind of snuck in our season um, sort of after that first wave. You know, we were the first track that was able to open up in Ontario and our season ended before uh, the second wave hit. So we kind of we were still able to operate, which we were lucky about. But the really unfortunate thing is that when we don't have fans, probably about half of our staff aren't able to come back to work. The mutual tellers, our food and beverage um, operators, like, you know, some of our housekeeping staff, we lost all of those people. Um, we weren't able to bring them back to work because we didn't have fans here to for them to cater to. So that's even though we were lucky in the sense that we were able to operate our simulcast because there wasn't a lot of, you know, big sporting events happening and casinos weren't open and that sort of stuff. 
we really did well from a wagering perspective off track, but you lose that whole um, fan interaction piece and, and having people here and, and horse racing just isn't the same if you don't have people, you know, cheering the horses on when they cross the finish line. And uh, like I said, unfortunately, about, you know, a hundred, hundred people, about half of our staff weren't able to return to work last year and, and who knows about this year too, right. It's uh, getting, closer to the start of our season and we're in the middle of our third lockdown now. So, I mean, you really, you don't know what to expect for the year ahead, which is uh, scary again, really. With, with the close proximity, I, I guess this is a question I could get to both of you to answer, but in, in terms of the horse racing uh, uh, industry, I mean, people are in close proximity. There's a lot of huge dollars at stake. Uh, and you mentioned like the simulcasting scenario uh, where people, you know, the race needs to go. Um, did you, were there special testing uh, things set up? Like what kind of, uh, you know, I guess uh, safeguards did you have in place that would have been, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big industry to have anything go through. It would be really bad, right? Yeah. So we have uh, very strict COVID policies in place. Um, to be honest, I think we sort of set up a lot of um, strict policies when we opened up last spring, um, because even before racing started, our backstretch was open. Right now, our backstretch is open. We have horses here. They're training in the morning. Um, so I almost think our policies were set up and sort of some of the policies that were put in place by the province almost caught up to some of the things that we had in place. From day one, masks were a requirement. Everyone has to wear a mask. Um, the only people who don't have to wear a mask is when they're out on the track and they're actively um, galloping a horse. And that's because it's like, you know, it's like exercise, right? It's physical exertion. It's a safety uh, thing there. So everyone has to wear a mask. We had increased uh, hand sanitation in order to get into our backstretch. Usually um, we allow people like owners and jockeys agents and industry people to come in. We're down right now to an essential list. So you're, if your name isn't on the list to get into the backstretch, uh, you're not allowed to enter. You have to be there uh, to care for a horse. You can't just be there to socialize type thing. So um, we try as much as possible to limit the amount of people in our in our backstretch community. Like Dolores said, it is a small little you know community on its own, and it's uh, it's a scary thought to think if someone tests positive um, back there, you know how quickly it could spread. So we had a lot of um, procedures in place and policies in place in order to prevent. Um, hopefully a, a spread of the COVID-19. Last year, we got lucky, knock on wood, hopefully this year we'll, we'll, um, we'll be in a similar situation where we don't have any positive cases. You know, we're really hoping that's the, the case, but also um, there's far more uh, cases of COVID this year than there was last year. So we've again put all those policies into place to protect everyone. Uh, you know, they have to be screened on the way in. They have to take their temperatures and all those, you know, different things. We have had people who um, we've had to like, you know, turn away for so many days because we thought, you know, this person uh, may have, you know, come into contact with someone. So we really are very strict um, and that's to protect everyone really and to protect our ability to race. Yeah, and, and I think we, we want Kevin to answer too, but <clears throat> I think that's so important, you know, as we get ready to to reopen and, and get back to some sense of, of normalcy, we want, people to understand that, you know, businesses have taken the precautions that they've needed to take, that the venues are safe, that they're doing everything they can to, to make sure that 
um, everything stay safe. I, I think that's a real important message that, that we want to get out there. Sorry, Scott. <laughs> no, that's no, absolutely. I just, you know, it's, uh, it's such a key factor these days and it's changed our lives so much. So, so Kevin, from, from your perspective, uh, you know, totally different scenario, but every bit as, uh, as important and, uh, and, and a lot of things riding on safety. So, uh, you know, what, what kind of uh, changes did you have to make in your operation? Well, just about the time that um, the, 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 that the, uh, the pandemic hit back in March 2020, um, there was a big change in the market. And it was basically, basically spurred on by the U.S. trade with China. And so grain has been healthy. It's been really good. Um, you know, there's certainly challenges for sure. There's inter interfaces with the vessels that we do, and those are strained. Uh, you know, we used to get on board and inspect holds and, you know, meet the crew. And it was a, it was a kind of a fun thing, you know, was it, obviously there's a lot of compliance steps that are, that are necessary to do that, but in that, and that's why we were doing it. But uh, those, those, those days are done where it's all, it's all from the shore now. And we just get up high on it and man on a, on a catwalk and kind of look into holds and make sure everything's safe and, you know, good for our load and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, the grain industry has been strong through this whole thing. And, uh, you know, the main products that we store, soft red winter being uh, the, the main wheat that we store, that's the, the cakes, cookies, donuts, right? That's the, that's the, the one everybody seems, everyone turns to that. I mean, it's a popular item. And then the other items are, are feed items. So like the oats, um, beans and corn go for feed. So still, strong markets we're, we're still all consuming and uh the animals that we that we rely on consume as well so um those things are good I, i'd say the uh just as the pandemic hit i was i was there as the pandemic hit we were doing uh we had a meeting the day after that uh that uh rob ford announced the the lockdown and we we all went we didn't know we didn't <laughs> we didn't know what to do right lockdown what's that mean you know like we did today we're we're well educated we know what's going on but the very next day, I think it was March 21st, 2020, I had a meeting in front of 100 people. <laughs> we were all there. No, no transmission from that, <laughs> from that, from that day. But I kind of feel like our our business development side of things has just stopped. There's no more visits. There's no more. Um, you know, it's hard to hold your cell phone up in a Zoom call if you install it on your phone and kind of go, this is what it looks like. And this is where I, and, you know, I see your business fitting in and if those things don't, don't work out well at all. So it kind of feels like it, it's the, it's the worst kind of bell curve where it went up and then straight down, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was, it was over pretty quick. And I mean, other than uh, the, the, the precautions we take with our employees and, you know, we're, we've been really upfront with trying to make sure that we all know, you know, we're all staying safe at home and our children are safe and, and that we don't uh, contract anything and bring anything to work. How do you do that? You know, just safe practices, I guess, you know, monitoring and that sort of thing. So that, that's been tough. It's been hard. It's strained. You know, how do you do a safety meeting with, with your employees when, when you can't meet? Um, you know, compliance is hard. To, it's hard to comply with compliance <laughs> when you can't physically do any of the things. So it's, you know, we've adapted our safety program. We've adapted those things have been a little bit harder to do, but we've done them, so. Yeah. One, one thing that, you know, a lot of businesses have been forced to do as a result of, of the pandemic, 
um, whether things are good or, or not. And, and both of you obviously have had opportunity to continue to operate and, and do well in certain areas. But, um, you know, they've had to diversify somewhat, find other sources of revenue, other, other tricks to, uh, to keep people um, paying attention to what they're doing. And so uh, for you guys, uh, Kevin, we'll keep going with you for now. What the, what are you looking in the future to, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of different streams you mentioned, but what in particular uh, are you looking for, forward to and changing up to, uh, to work in the new world that we're in? Yeah. Um, I mean, the grain industry's generally insulated from it, but it, it has been really, it's, it, go, it goes back to the meetings and the things like that. It's been really hard. I think a lot of what my, uh, what our business is about is, is that personal touch, um, producers, farmers, um, it, it's, those relationships are very important and trust in those relationships is, is important as well. It's hard to build trust from a distance. You know, you can't really, um, show people around or, or, you know, explain to them at least visually, you know, walking through a process and say, this is how we do it. And, you know, cause I'm always open for that. Anybody comes by, we, that tour is open. Let's do that. And so that's, that's sort of done for now. And it, 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 to adjust, what have we done? I mean, obviously I'm open to the, I'm, I'm open to all the, uh, all of this sort of online business and getting people connected that way. Um, one of the things we've done while we've, you know, been in this sort of downtime is uh, we've engaged Niagara college to uh, get some of their students to do some research for us. We've got the time to do it. And uh, this is our slower time of the season. We've had them working on a project for us to figure out what we can do in other markets, you know, like find, find a market for us. Let's, let's talk about what's possible. You know, and the students are, you know, you, they, their, their minds are so big. They can, they have such a big bucket to fill and they, they're running around trying to figure out they're talking to, you know, every industry, um, you know, there's steel industry, there's, there's feed industries, there's, there's cars and storage and containers and all these different things. Cause we're on the water. We have a few different opportunities, uh, and, and the rail. And so they've been, it, that's been great. That's been a really good exploration for us. Um, in fact, the meetings right after this one. <laughs> so, so I'll be meeting with them again and, and, you know they're looking to get their their final their final in uh, in the next couple of weeks their final proposals in, so that's really how we're doing it right now. Um, trying to engage as best we can online, and it's uh, you know can be a struggle, but we're we're doing it. Awesome, yeah, great. And uh, and uh, Antonetta, what about uh, what about yourself? What 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 have you got up your sleeve to uh, to work through the racing season with the possibility maybe of no family? Well, it's um, last year and kind of same thing with this year, we're really encouraging uh, fans to um, use HPI, which is uh, the, it's the platform in order to wager online in Ontario. So we've really, um, from an industry, the, the industry has been pushing uh, people to sign up for HPI because it allows you to watch the races, uh, not just in Ontario, but across North America and wager on our product and also um, other racetracks across um Canada and the US. So that's really been the push because it allows us to uh, continue to engage with those fans and people that we can't physically have here, but also keep them wagering on the industry to keep it up and running. 
So that's kind of one thing. Um, from a fan perspective on track, uh, we've been putting all the safety um, measures in place, you know, the plexiglass, the extra hand sanitation, uh, dividers, all that sort of stuff, so that if we are lucky enough to welcome back fans, whether it's 100 people, 1,000 people, whatever it is this season, that everyone will be as safe as possible, our staff and, uh, you know, customers both. So we've been putting those measures in place. And gosh, I hope by next year we can have wiener dog races and concerts and all that fun stuff again. And um, we're lucky um, as an event venue, we already have things in place like a liquor license and we already have the bathrooms and we already have, you know, the venue set up the way that we need it. So if we're lucky this season and at the end of, you know, July, August or something like that, everyone's vaccinated and we're able to open up, it would be easy for us to, uh, very quickly put together some sort of, you know, concert type event or some sort of event where we could welcome people back, which I think, um, unlike, you know, a lot of other uh, big events like Grape and Wine, for example, or something like that, you need months and, you know, years of planning to, to host something like that. We could very easily, because we have everything in place, um, you know, kind of do a last minute sort of event to bring people back. So that's kind of in the back of our mind, you know, uh, what could we possibly do if we're in a situation where we can welcome people back safely? Of course, that's, you know, the, the primary concern. And then next year it's gonna be um, hopefully, well, hopefully without this year, but by next year, hopefully we can bring back um, fans uh, without any sort of, you know, restrictions on on numbers and be able to have those big events again because uh, you know racing is you know our main um, source of entertainment but we also like to tie it in with other things to attract people out so hopefully we can have a family day hopefully we can have concerts and that sort of sort of stuff but for now it's just a wait and see sort of situation yeah so I, I know that you guys have both uh, you, you know implemented um, some, some different things this, this past year. Um, what are some of the things that, you know, once we get out of this, um, that you might continue um, with because it's just really worked well or it's, it's made good sense? Uh, we'll start with uh, Antonetta. <laughs> I'll go ahead. So one of the things uh, with us, so uh, from an on-track perspective, people like to come out on weekends, right? You have your, your weekends off, or we do our Tuesday night twilight racing. Um, we've, we'll probably look at um, possibly changing the days uh, partially throughout the season. So right now, uh, we're catering to the simulcast market because we know that people who are wagering off-track are the only ones who are really able to wager right now. So we're racing on a Monday-Tuesday schedule. And uh, the benefit to that is a lot of the bigger tracks um, like Woodbine in Toronto or, you know, Santa Anita and that sort of stuff in the States, they're not operating on those days. So there really isn't as much uh, competition for us in the simulcast market, which means anyone who wants to wager on a Monday or a Tuesday doesn't have, you know, as many tracks out there. So they'll look to Fort Erie Racetrack, a smaller venue to, um, you know, uh, bet on. So that is one of the things that I think helped us out uh, last season a little bit. We made that switch to Monday, Tuesdays. And um, it worked well because we weren't competing with those bigger tracks. And I, you know, this year we're back on a Monday, Tuesday schedule. So going forward, it'll be interesting to see what days we decide to operate on. Um, we definitely need some Sundays. I think for sure people like to come out on a weekend. They like to, um, you know, it's easier to have those special events in the market and that sort of stuff on a weekend day. Do we race all season on a Sunday, Tuesday schedule? Uh, I don't know yet. We might switch and do partial, you know, Monday, Tuesdays just to help 
increase some of that simulcast uh, wagering revenue. So that's one of the things that, like, you know, definitely worked out well for us that we'll probably look at, um, you know, continuing on at least in some way next year. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, Kevin, how about you? Well, I mean, there's not so much um, exactly right here, but I think one of the things that I that I noticed that was really great, uh, we belong to uh, a marketing initiative for the Seaway. It's called Highway H2O. I think it's, you see, sometimes you see that logo and it's all over the kind of here that here and there it's on, it's on a couple of different places they did a online um uh trade show and a trade show you know speakers that sort of thing and i just thought it was so great the way they did it we, obviously we're getting better at these things right and so they had uh, you know sponsored rooms and things like this but the, while we we're going through it it was one of those things that was like this should be going on when we're live too when we're back together the way this is organized, it's so good. You click in the room, you get, you know, with some of these things, you can give directions to the room or how to get to the, you know, this conference place. But the engagement was right there. You had a couple of people managing the back end to manage the questions and manage this, that, you know, maybe you don't, you're not the type to put your hand up, but you're, you're active online. You'll type and ask a thousand questions. I really liked it. I thought if we're able to take how great this online form was and, somehow make it so there's like a, a virtual world at the same time so you're connected you know someone across the room that maybe physically weren't able to talk to you know you're, you're asking questions in a forum and you you see their name tag and then you walk over so the two worlds sort of collide i i really liked it i thought there's a way that this can work and what i'd like to do is try to apply that to my own business which will be you know we used to we used to meet with the farmers a lot and, you know, a sandwich goes a long way. You know, we all sit down, we have a sandwich. We talk about uh, market conditions, weather, what the almanac says, what, what maybe, you know, we have someone, uh, a weather expert come in and talk about like, what's this season going to look like? You know, what's th that sort of thing. Why can't we do that online too? You know, it's, the physical thing is great, but we can't really do that. It's not something I think my industry's really sophisticated at getting into. I I'd like to try it, you know, there's got to be a way that uh, we can engage some people that are interested in, you know, I don't think they're going to want to sit on their cell phone watching a video for six hours, you know, something long all day, but we can do a 20 minute, you know, Hey, this is what we see going on in the industry right now. You know, that, I think that would work for us. So that's maybe something I've picked up on is I think there's a way that we can still engage and even past this engage still, you know, there's ways to engage those people that are interested in that. So, yeah, we're hearing that from a lot of folks that uh, moving forward is probably going to be a blend of both. Um, and, and, you know, just for, for our Canadian Chamber conference this year, our AGM and conference, we had over 900 delegates. Um, typically, you know, it's, it's about 300, 350. Um, mm -hmm. It's just the ease, right? Uh, um, and for some, the cost. So if you could have a, a combination of both, um, it, it would be the best of both worlds. So I'm, I'm with you, Kevin. Holy moly, Scott, what a great conversation. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting, uh, you know, that the online world is going to always stay with us, I think, Dolores, uh, to some degree. Uh, and now I've got to get signed up so I can uh, put some money on the ponies. Uh, <laughs> right? So, For sure. Okay. Uh, 
Absolutely. Uh, I would like to thank uh, Kevin and Antonetta for joining us today from uh, Forty Year Racetrack and from Series Global. Uh, good to see that you're both uh, hanging in there and doing well despite everything we've been through and that uh, you've got a, a vision for the future. So that is fantastic. So uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. It was great. Thank you so much. What's, what's on tap for next week? All right. Well, next week's conversation is going to focus on affordable housing in South Niagara. It's a growing concern, and we know that the pandemic has put even more pressure on an already stressed system. Joining us for the conversation will be Joanne Huritz, Assistant Professor, Political Science, Brock University, and the author of the recent report, Looking Ahead and Looking Up, Affordable Housing in Niagara, and Wayne Campbell, Counselor with the City of Niagara Falls and a member of the Housing Needs Technical Advisory Committee. Another important and timely conversation to be had. To all of our listeners, uh, send us the topics that you're talking about because we want to talk about them too. Thanks for tuning in and uh, have yourselves a great day. <laughs>